now is the time to invite Nigel. Let's give Nigel a round of applause. <laughs> Nigel is associate pastor, is that, is that your title? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At our Woodland Central. If it Central. sounds good, I'll be that, yeah. And you've, you have particular responsibility for the 9.30 service um, at Woodley's, at Woodies, isn't it's it? It's actually the 9.15 9 service. 9.15, sorry. you've ac accurately recognised that no one actually turns up at 9.15. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we yeah. begin with this empty hall and I do a pretend, <laughs> hi everyone, so great to see, okay, they're not here. Start anyway, and then by about half nine they arrive, so yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, Great. But if we started it at half nine, they then wouldn't turn up to quarter to ten. It keeps going around. So we just yeah. we stick at the 9.15. Well done. So, yeah. Well done. Well, it's brilliant to have Nigel. Nigel's going to kick us off on our new uh, series. I can't remember what it's called. What's it called? Holy Spirit, is that it? Is that nothing, nothing more fancy than that? Holy Spirit. Oh, nice. Oh. Nice little graphic. So, um, Nigel, Great. shall I pray for you? Let Come me on, pray then. for you. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for Nigel. We thank you. Um, yeah, we just thank you for your anointing on him. We thank you that he is somebody who moves in your spirit, somebody who is sensitive to, to what it is that you're saying and doing. And Lord, we, we, we want to um, yeah, receive all that you want to do through Nigel today. Give us hearts, give us ears to receive this morning. Lord, just pray for your blessing on Nigel. Use him uh, for, you, for your work, for your kingdom. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be with you. And uh, thank you, Deb, for a lovely introduction. And uh, good morning, uh, your onlineers, wherever you are watching from. Uh, then, yeah, great to have you with us as well. It's lovely to be at Highgrove. I'm going to be honest with you right on the start. I've not been invited to Highgrove for a very long time. There's a reason for that. In my very early days of worship leading, I was invited here. I think probably because no one else was available, but I didn't realise that at the time, to lead worship at Highgrove, the mother church of everything to do with Woodlands. And I came here, and I w I'm going to be honest, I wasn't very good at worship leading. But I didn't let on. And um, I had to do this song called, All Creation Cries to You. Right, and... Um, Pam Scott Cook was helping to run the church at the time. And basically, I got it in the wrong key. And it seemed a bit high. Oh, creation, God. And that's before it then goes super high at the chorus. And I said, I was like, this is unsingable. Now, I had not learned that as a worship leader, I could change the key to make it more singable. So I said, Pam, I don't think this sounds right. Are you sure this is right? Oh, it's wonderful, Nigel. It's absolutely great. Yeah, you're doing amazing. I was like, oh, brill. Okay, because Pam had said that it was fine. Oh, my goodness. I mean, operatic singing. We were all right in the verse, but when we hit that high chorus, I mean, I literally couldn't sing it. I was, like, squeaking at it, and everyone is, like, squeaking back at me. And I've never been back since. So uh, great to be here. Finally, that sort of memory is gone. And uh, here we go. So I'm going to be sharing with you uh, this morning just about Pentecost. And Pentecost, actually what it is, is a festival. It was a Jewish festival that we read about in the Bible. And Pentecost was 50 days, I mean 50 days after the festival of Passover. And we're going to be reading from a book called Acts, which is all about where we read about Pentecost and the start of the church. Um, now, before we do, by the way, I just need to introduce, I've got a family. My, I've got my lovely wife, Lorna, and three boys, Sam, Jasper, and Daniel. Just thought I'd let you know, that's me. Um, we're not always that harmonious, 
<laughs> that was like, smile for the camera. But yeah, we, um, that's us. And yeah, we love being part of things down at Woody's. Um, and yeah, we're part of the 915 and general madness of things that go on down at Woody's. Anyway, let's get back to Acts. So uh, we read about um, this festival, Pentecost. And um, Jesus' gatherers, his disciples, are meeting together in a room, much like this. And we have an account of basically what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and meets with them. Now, um, Jesus has said I'm, to his disciples, I'm going to go to the Father and send you what's promised. So just stay here, stay in Jerusalem, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So they're being obedient, they're staying in Jerusalem. So this is the city where Jesus was killed and crucified and then rose again. They're, they're still around um, and here we are. And we're going to read from, um, yeah, from the beginning of Acts 2. Let's read this together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? But some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. So here's a little map um, that just shows you where all these people are from. So the little blue dot is Jerusalem. That's the city. Um, and you can see they're from a very, very long way away, far up here. So loads of different languages. And people would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and stick around. So that's a huge display of things. Now, at this point, I'm going to paraphrase what happens. Peter, who is one of the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, does a preach. This is the first preach in church. And in summary, he says this. He says, let me explain to you. They're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Um, but the prophet Joel talked about this, uh, that God from long ago said, one day I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. And so Jesus of Nazareth, you put him to death. But God raised him from the dead. And then he quotes Psalm 16, saying, actually, you have not abandoned him to the grave. And this is what David, who wrote the psalm, was talking about. God has raised Jesus to life. And at the right hand of the Father, Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit. And then he quotes Psalm 10 as well. And then we pick it up a little later. And he carries on. He says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's lots going on in this chapter. And I'm going to just pull out a few things to remind you of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. The first thing is simply this. The Holy Spirit is manifestational. Basically, he shows up. He loves turning up at stuff. The Holy Spirit didn't appear just at this point in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit has been involved even before the beginning of creation. We read about him in Genesis 1, brooding over the waters. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit appears throughout the story of the Bible, anointing people, working, moving, and being involved. But this is a key time when then the Holy Spirit turns up and is poured out on everyone. The Holy Spirit reveals himself. He's literally like, da-da. He does the kind of I'm here thing. That's what we talk about when the Holy Spirit manifests himself. This idea that the Holy Spirit is actually among us and present. It's not just this secret hidden thing that you've heard of, but you're not sure if it's real or not. The Holy Spirit is real, and he loves to show himself and to turn up. We read about it at the beginning of that bit in, in Acts. In, in verse 2, it says there's a sound like a wind. Wind is often a pitch of the Spirit of God that comes. And then at the same time, there's fire, tongues of fire resting on people in verse 2, in verse 3. And then people are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is in verse 4. The Holy Spirit then actually fills them, comes into their bodies and fills them. It doesn't take over them, but it, it animates them. It brings life to them. And one of the ways that we see that is suddenly they start speaking in tongues. Now, that's the language. Actually, they're speaking in different languages. It's literally they're, they're babbling away in different languages of all these different countries that have been represented. Actually, it's more than that. It's a bit noisy. It's a bit ecstatic. I don't know last time the police were called here at Highgrove because it kicked off in the morning because you lot got all a bit too rowdy and noisy by the Holy Spirit. But that's what was happening. It drew a crowd. What's going on? People were drawn to it because the Holy Spirit had manifested himself in people. And so that's why there was a claim, oh, they must be drunk. And it's nine o'clock in the morning and it's noisy. They're seen and heard. That's one of the things when you did the noise weekend of practical things in the city and around to show God's love in practical ways. The noise was about being a bit noisy, actually being a bit seen and a bit heard. The Holy Spirit is like that. He's visible and audible. Actually, the church himself then start meeting, not in this room altogether, but in the temple courts, a public space for everyone. Actually, the Holy Spirit is visible and seen. Why is that important? Actually, it's important to know about the Holy Spirit. It's important to be able to respond to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing. When I was a very new Christian, I went to Woody's on a weekend away, and they did the Alpha Holy Spirit talk. Has anyone ever been to the Alpha Holy Spirit talk? Okay, it's a great thing when they talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. And then Dave Mitchell said, right, if anyone in the room wants to stand up to receive the Holy Spirit, they should stand up. Now, I didn't know what to do. So I'll just stand up because like everyone else is. I'm not going to stay sitting down and look like a lemon. So I stood up and Dave started praying. And I'm not joking. Everyone just started falling down. I've never seen this before. What's going on? Why are they all falling down? And literally came towards me just falling down. 
miss me and then carried on falling down. And I'm like the only one, last man standing. I was like, I don't know what is going on, but there's a lot of upset people. People are crying and stuff, but it sort of seems good, but it was a bit weird, you know. And uh, it took me a little while to think, oh, did I just not get that at all? Have you ever had that? You're like, oh, it seems to be happening for everyone else. And I did the thing with my hands and nothing happened. Actually, one of the things, I was a brand new Christian. I think I was full of the Holy Spirit. I think I was so full. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> like, it's all them lot that need it. They're, they've maybe been Christians for a while. They're a bit dry, a bit bored, a bit like, ugh. And suddenly the Holy Spirit was filling them up. I think I was completely full of the Holy Spirit. I was like, oh, okay. This is cool. But sometimes we can think, and maybe that's been your experience of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I never seem to feel the Holy Spirit or experience it. And, um, yeah. Actually, we all respond to the Holy Spirit in different ways, but I think the Holy Spirit is given to us that we can experience it. In fact, the church, what you're doing right now, this church gathering, do you know what this is? This is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You're sitting in it right now. You are Holy Spiriting right now. By the very act that you're here is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You can't be the church without the Holy Spirit. Acts shows you the Holy Spirit came and a church was formed. What? Random people who would never sit in a room together the rest of the week are formed because the Holy Spirit is manifest in your presence. So if you're not sure whether the Holy Spirit is manifest and real, look around you now. It is real because you're sitting in the church. That's how it works. The Holy Spirit is showing you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Don't you know you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives among you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. He's making the point you are the church, are holding the spirit of God, the presence of God right now. The Holy Spirit is manifestational. He shows us Jesus' love. So the Holy Spirit doesn't come and just go, da-da, it's me. He turns up and goes, da-da, it's him. It's Jesus. Hooray for Jesus. Hey, guys, just want to remind you, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, by the way, that guy you killed, Jesus, he's alive. The Holy Spirit turns up to show us Jesus. So he's manifestational in that he shows us Jesus. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit is motivational. He stirs up. He changes how we live. The Holy Spirit isn't this sort of neutral thing. He's like an active ingredient, like in toothpaste. Fluoride is the active ingredient. For you as a Christian, if we were to squeeze you, the active ingredient would be the Holy Spirit. It's doing stuff. It's at work. It can't, it, it can't stay still and just do nothing. The Holy Spirit is active. And we can see this in what happens to them when they are filled with the Spirit. They've gone from being fearful, hiding in a room, to a boldness going public. They've been in this private place, hiding in a room, and now they go public with their faith. In the same city where the very people who killed Jesus, they're now saying, Jesus is alive and we're here. And we're now public space in the courts. Instead of Peter, who was denying that Jesus was Christ, he's now proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah by doing his first ever preach publicly to a crowd. It's gone from being maybe a personal thing of just kind of holding on to, yeah, we believe in Jesus, to now we want to tell everyone else about Jesus. The work of the Spirit is motivational. It stirs us up. It changes who we are. A little later in Acts 4, um, Peter is called up before the religious leaders. 
It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What's changed? Holy Spirit has filled them. The Holy Spirit is motivating. The Holy Spirit has stirred them to something they weren't before. They're still the same Peter, they're still the same people, but they're now being animated, motivated, stirred up by the work of the Spirit. And that's what the Spirit does. Let me give you an example. You're at school gate, you've got a friend of yours, not part of church. You want to pray for them, there's some stuff going on. I'll pray for you. Oh, thank you so much. I know because you go to church. Can you pray for me? Great. And you can do that. Or you can say, I'm going to pray for you right now on the school gate. I'm going to ask for the presence of God to come. I'm going to pray for, there'll be a breakthrough in this today. I'm praying for you right now publicly. They're like, oh, that's a bit weird. That's a bit, well, I want to pray for you and I want you to know it. And actually, I'm believing that God is going to do something for you. There is a shift there between generally saying, I'll pray for you, like, because I'm a Christian, and actually, I'm going to minister to you now in the power of the Spirit. Or whatever it will look like for you, what does it mean being stirred up? In verse 42, near the end of the chapter, it says that all the followers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to breaking bread together, being together. If basically, it sounds like they've become full-time Christians. Like, oh my gosh, when do they work or do anything else? They're fully devoted. You see, Ed and Debs with the team run a great church here. But they're not going to really make a difference to what's going on in this community and area, no matter how hard they try. The difference is you, the church, filled with the Spirit, will be doing the stuff. It's impossible for two people to make that kind of difference. It's an empoweredness of being motivated. You see, between you and me as a church leader, you know what's the hardest thing to do? It's not kind of running Sunday services and things like that. It's prayer meetings. Getting people to prayer meetings or getting people to sign up to home groups and stuff like that. You're like, oh my gosh, just trying to help them be Christians. And yet it's really, really difficult. There's all three of you turn up for the prayer meeting again. You're like, hallelujah, great to see you guys. Where's everyone else? You see, with the Holy Spirit, when you're filled by the Spirit and the Spirit is stirring in you, you would not say, oh, do I have to pray? It's like, how can I not pray? How can I not pray for what's going on? How can I not pray for what's going on in the church, in our community, in the world, whatever? It's not an optional, do I pray or not? It's, how do I not pray? Actually, being devoted to fellowship, it's not like, oh, shall I do home or not this week? How do I not want to meet with my brothers and sisters, to be with them, to encourage them, to be walking in it. I'm stirred, I'm motivated by the Spirit of God is stirring and working in me. How can I not give when I hear of a need of something going on? I don't be hard-hearted to stuff. I don't know, is it me or not? Actually, when you're devoted, when, you're, when your heart is open, when your spirit is at working and it's moving you and stirring you and convicting you, giving you compassion for people, breaking your heart over stuff, it's not like, shall I or shall I not? The Holy Spirit is, of course, but how? And so this is a picture I think we see. Even having people around for dinner, how can I not want to have people around for dinner, welcome guests, new people, hang out with my neighbors and stuff? How can I not do that when the Spirit is at work? So the Holy Spirit stirs us. The Holy Spirit stirs us to love Jesus more. Actually, we need God's help to love him. We need God's help to be Christians and actually, in a way, if you're lacking motivation, partly it's like, Lord, fill me again and stir in me the things for you. Our problem is sometimes we're too full rather than we're too hungry. 
We need to be hungry for the things of God. But if we're always full with stuff, then we're like, oh, I don't know if I've got room for that. Actually, the Holy Spirit stirs something in us as a hunger for God and a desire for God and a fulfilling in God when we find him. And the third one is the Holy Spirit is missional. I know you've heard all this before. I'm just reminding you stuff. The Holy Spirit is missional. You turn up. The Holy Spirit's heart is, is for the world, to go to the nations, to share to those who don't know. That's the commission on the church. Peter says it in verse 39 in this chapter, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. The acts of the Holy Spirit are never inward focused to make this cozy Christian club, but always outward focused on how can we bless, how can we serve, how can we reach. How can people who don't know the love of God know the love of God? At the very end of this chapter it says, and people were being added to their number daily. Nowhere does it say they're doing evangelism. It says they're breaking bread. It says they're doing fellowship. It says they're caring for people's needs. They're doing that stuff, and yet it's so attractive, so public, so visible, so noticeable, so different, so other to how the world works. People are like, oh, I want to know that. In fact, a lot of the crowd at the beginning are confused. What's going on? Why are they all speaking in these languages? It's kind of weird stuff about being a Christian. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem straightforward. Why would you do that? Why would you pray for someone like that in public? That's weird. What were you doing? Or whatever it might be. It needs explaining. Just as Peter then explained what was going on. It's intriguing. It's perplexing. Do people see your life who aren't part of church and think, why do you do that? That's weird. Oh, you're following Jesus. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know that. I would never think of doing that. Are people intrigued and curious when they see your life? Is it visible? Do people see that? Think, wow, wow, that's just amazing how you were with those people. I'd never have thought how you treated your neighbors because we all hate them, but you seem really nice to them even though they're annoying. Oh, well, they are annoying, but actually we feel called to love them and express a generosity to them because they're our neighbors. Jesus talked about it, actually, loving your enemies. And we, we think that's really important for how we do life. Wow, okay. That's, that's odd. Oh, yeah, it is totally odd. But when you follow Jesus, things make sense like that. Actually, people are always divided in opinion. Some people will hate that. Some people will love it. You see, some people dismissed it. Oh, they're just drunk. But others are like, no, this is a thing. Something's going on. Trying to do mission, trying to sort of share Jesus with people without the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like, I don't know, trying to do the washing up without any water or trying to paint a wall without a paintbrush or trying to dig something up in the garden without a diggy thing. It's just not going to work, <laughs> really. It's just not going to happen. It's not fun. So in being missional, uh, the Holy Spirit sends us in the power of Jesus' love. So the Holy Spirit shows us Jesus the Holy Spirit stirs up in us a love for Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit sends us in the power of Jesus' love to love others. There are things that can only happen by the power of the Spirit. Lots of things. The filling of the Spirit. You can't get it from Amazon. You can't get it on Prime. It's just not going to happen. You can't click anywhere for it. You have to say, God, fill me by your Spirit. As you talking about Jesus to other people, sharing faith is a, is a spirit-empowered thing. 
Actually, as Jesus, as Peter did, declaring who Jesus was, he was preaching. Preaching is a work of the Spirit. Sure, it can just be words, but when the Spirit is empowering it, it's a Spirit-empowered thing. Salvation itself is a work of the Spirit. Giving generously is a work of the Spirit. Praying, hospitality, whatever. You can do all these things. I mean, there's brilliant theologians who aren't Christians, who know more about the Bible than you do, who know more about the Greek and the Hebrew and the everything else. I don't care for Jesus. They can be all, like, all, that, all over it. But actually, until you have the Spirit of God and you're empowered by the Spirit of God living for God, that's when our Christian stuff becomes boring, when we realize we're doing a lot of the stuff, but maybe without God, without the Spirit of God. And my prayer for you is, as we go into this month and as you spend a month with the Holy Spirit, that you would be renewed and reformed in your love for God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we say this stuff all the time in church, okay? We all pray the Holy Spirit and all everything else. But actually, this is a season, I think, in, our, in the, our church life, not just here at Highgrove, but we're seeing it at Woody's at the moment. It's central. That there's just an openness and a hunger for the work of the Spirit again that maybe we've not seen for a number of years. So what I want to do, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to just welcome the Holy Spirit here this morning and have a chance to just ask that God would fill us all again. And... Um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to invite you, if you want to, to stand. But you can sit as well. The Holy Spirit can still get to you sitting down. But sometimes doing something physical is a bit of a sign to God that you're open and wanting to receive something. And I'm just going to welcome the Spirit. And we're just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and minister to you and fill you again. And as we do that, I might just sort of see what the Holy Spirit's up to in the room. We're going to have some time to worship. There'll be opportunity if you want some particular prayer as well that will do that. And if you're watching online and everything else, get ready for the blessing. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm not confident about that, by the way, but I know that's the kind of stuff you should say. No, I'd love to, wherever you're watching online, if you're tuning in with us now, just we're going to just take a moment and I'd love you to know that we're going to be praying for the Spirit to meet you where you are as well. So if you want to, why don't you stand with me as a sign to God that we just want to be open to the, the Spirit of God now to come. Holy Spirit, as I've talked about you, actually we want to meet with you now. And we want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and be gracious to us and meet with us again and fill us. So we, uh, we pray that prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit. And we welcome you here now. Come, Spirit of God. And I'm just, we're just going to wait on the Spirit, which means just simply opening our hearts to God. And just saying, come Holy Spirit.